You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production. University graduates know that stepping into the workforce can be nerve-wracking, especially when you consider all the people you're up against applying for jobs. But for Alicia Prince, that wasn't the case. Alicia graduated from university at 24, but didn't commence professional work until she was nearly 26. But unlike most new grads, she didn't feel scared about applying for jobs, and she credits this confidence to two things having past experience in the workforce, and having a good support system. In this episode, Alicia recounts the early days of her career and explains how it led to her becoming a chartered engineer and the general manager of the Victorian Division of Engineers Australia. Alicia, you stepped into the workforce when you were 25, 26. Did you do so confidently? I think I did. I'd had a lot of jobs before I started work professionally, so I felt confident in terms of how to engage in a workforce. I also felt supported because when you step into your first engineering role, you've got a degree under your belt, but there's a lot of stuff that you don't know about engineering and you you need to work with a reasonable amount of support around you. So when you say the support, this is from your senior figures within the business and in the company, is that where you you felt truly supported? That's right. It was a great team that I joined the organisation with, some really good people that I was able to work with, great, great peers and great managers as well. You were perhaps maybe a few years older than your normal graduate. Did you see that as an advantage? I think it was an advantage. It it actually meant that I could more quickly move into leadership roles than I might otherwise have been able to. Whilst I might have had the same technical experience as someone who was younger coming out of university, I had more life experience, which meant I had developed really good skills in terms of how to relate to people and work with other people. You're in leadership positions now. I assume you've been in the situation where you've been interviewing uh, young graduates coming through. How much importance do you put on the, uh, the life experience factor? I think it's a part of ensuring that you employ well-rounded engineers. It's a part of the decision. It's not everything to do with, with the decision. I think passion and purpose is also really great and finding people who are the right fit for an organisation. So you've stepped into the workforce. What are some of the roles and responsibilities you had in those early stages? In the early stages of my career, I remember that the first project that I was involved in was auditing train stations. And there was quite a big team of us that were involved. But there was a couple of us that probably stepped up to help coordinate and organise the others. And that was a really good demonstration of our leadership skills. And we were recognised for that. So I think it's really useful for people early in their career to step up and take on some extracurricular activities to go above and beyond in your roles and to look for those opportunities to be recognised for that. We spoke in our last episode about teamwork within a volunteer organisation. You're obviously in a professional business capacity now. What are some of the differences between teamwork in both areas? I actually think there's probably more similarities than there are 
differences in teamwork. Teamwork is about relating to people. It's about being able to understand what somebody else needs to achieve and how you can collaborate with them to achieve common goals. And it's integral for engineers to be able to to work as teams. What was your next step? So where are we stepping into after those early opportunities? After about six months as a graduate engineer, I started looking for my next opportunities. And I actually spoke to HR and I said to HR, I wasn't as excited about the role as I wanted to be. So they created an opportunity for me and I ended up moving to regional Victoria. And I went to Gippsland and I worked on a major piece of infrastructure in the water sector, which is the Gippsland Water Factory. I hadn't seen that my career was going to take me into the into the water sector and when I was at uni I didn't think that was that was my career path. But I, I loved the project that I was on and it created some really great opportunities. So what were you doing down there? I was initially a part of the design team and we were designing the transfer system of pipelines and pump stations to support the the water factory. I spent about six months in the in the design team and then my role was winding up but there was an opportunity to move into construction. This for me was a great transition but again not one that I had planned for. It was an opportunity that came along. It was a door that it was was open for me and it was one that I worked through. So what I had thought was initially going to be a, a three-month role in Gippsland became three years and I spent two and a half years working on that project as first a project engineer and later taking on more project management responsibility. Moving away from the city to you know something you thought was going to be three months, which turned into three years, uh, how was that process? Was it um, you know just something you were happy to do? You... It was certainly a case of letting go because I'd only just come back to Melbourne and before I knew it, I was leaving again. But it felt like the right opportunity and, and like I said, it was meant to be short and it became it became longer. The learning that I was getting through that role made it worthwhile. And it was also quite close to, to Melbourne and I was able to travel back quite regularly. You mentioned there the learning was worthwhile. What were you learning? I was learning about all the technical aspects of engineering for that particular area. And I was also learning about construction management and project management. I'm a really big believer in education and it wasn't long before I was looking for my next opportunity to study. So I undertook a master's of engineering science, specialising in project management whilst I was in Gippsland. And that was a really fantastic compliment to be learning on the job whilst at the same time complementing with formal training. And I really believe that that increased the speed at what I was learning and also led to earlier promotion. How did you manage both of them though? I mean, that's that's obviously uh, two pretty big things in your life that, uh, that have competing deadlines, I'd imagine, at times. Yes, 
they did. I would study in my lunchtime. I would study after work and weekends. I made sure that the workload that I took on was manageable so that I wasn't overloading myself with university work and it was it was a part-time load at that time. What was your next move after three years in Gippsland? After three years, I moved to another regional water project and I relocated to Shepparton to work on the Future Flow Alliance, which was involved in irrigation modernisation. And in simple terms, that meant that we were improving an existing irrigation system. We were introducing automation and remote control. And I joined that team as the project manager of the pipeline projects. You mentioned before that uh, you like to do things with a cause or with a purpose. So if we talk about that one in Shepparton there, what benefit does that have on the, the community? We were in the midst of a drought when I joined that project. And one of the key drivers of the project was to save water. We often talked about the measurable amounts of water that we were saving, and it was really, really significant. And that water can be then used for drinking purposes. Water was also put aside for environmental uses and being released to the rivers, as well as more water being available for the farmers to use on farm. And in the role that I had, I was also able to connect with the people in the community. The main pipeline that we installed was within a small township and we were often communicating with the farmers and and we would hold town hall meetings with the farmers and it was a really tangible benefit that we were delivering that we could really understand and it was really fantastic to be a part of something that was that was delivering those tangible benefits. What happens in your conversations with farmers and and local stakeholders and whoever needs to be involved? How do you go in and and sell the message that it's needed or to do something that also benefits them and they understand that as well? One thing that is really interesting with infrastructure is that sometimes those that are impacted by a construction project are not always the beneficiaries of the of the project. I was really lucky with that particular project where I was engaging with the farmers that they were direct beneficiaries of the project. So they were far more accepting. With other roles that I've had and other projects that I've delivered, the construction impacts are not always fantastic for someone who might be living next door. So Open conversations are just so important and that's where being able to have those skills and go and have a conversation with a neighbour or an impacted party can become really important. And how do you listen to their feedback to try and minimise the impact that you might have? And and that's the approach that that I've always taken and the vast majority of people that we've worked with have, at the end of the day, been reasonably accepting of what we've needed to do. You've been a leader in your space for some time now. How have you developed your leadership abilities? A lot of my leadership abilities have been developed through the volunteer opportunities that I have taken on. I was the president of the Victorian chapter of Engineers Without Borders. So before I had leadership responsibility at work, I was taking on those leadership opportunities that came my way 
out of work. And I was learning those skills in a different context and quite often in a safe context. So by the time those leadership opportunities came around in a work context, I'd already had a chance to, to learn and to hone some of those skills. One point that I'd like to make is it's not necessarily always easy to step into some of those roles. And I've certainly stepped into some of those roles earlier than I thought I would and before I necessarily felt that I was ready for them. But I trusted that the people that were around me and that, and that the people that were encouraging me to take on these added responsibilities, I trusted that they knew me well enough to understand that I was capable. And it was probably just some self-doubt on my part and sometimes stepping into that stepping into that unknown and taking on something that you don't know you're setting yourself up to be vulnerable and you're potentially setting yourself up to fail but if you don't have a crack at it you'll never know what you can can achieve so I'm really grateful for those opportunities that came my way and and I'm so glad that I guess I felt brave enough to take it on. Is there a process involved in deciding whether it is the right opportunity or is it just simply a case of if you're tapped on the shoulder as a young student to go and do something because someone's identified it, do you just go and do it? I think there definitely has to be a process. For me, taking remote projects, moving to regional areas, that won't be the right fit for everybody. And it depends on where you're at in your life as well. So you do have to weigh up those things and weigh up your life situation in its entirety and also ensure that the people that are tapping you on on the shoulder and asking you to get involved or work for them, that they are the people that you want to work for. The people that you work for are really, really important to your job satisfaction. So how did you work that out for yourself that, say, relocating once again to a, a region outside of Melbourne was the right thing to do? For me, it was too good a career opportunity. When I went, I did go on the agreement that it was for 12 months. So at that point, I had a partner who lived in Melbourne and I was looking to eventually settle down in Melbourne. So there were some parameters around that engagement. And at the end of the 12 months, I took a holiday and then I said, I'm going back to Melbourne after that. So the company I was working for found me a role, but if they hadn't have found a role, it would have been time for me to, to move on and, and look for the next the next opportunity. How important to you and to, to a project you take on is the element of it having environmentally sustainable work practices involved? I think it's very important. And this is about values alignment as well. You want to be working on things where you can contribute in a positive way, in a way that aligns to what's important to you. If you're working in an organisation that doesn't value the same principles that you value, such as sustainability, it'll be really hard to gain job satisfaction. Engineering is a profession where sustainability is key, but that doesn't mean that all engineers out there necessarily practise those principles. I think this comes down to individuals identifying what's important to them and and looking for organisations that align with those principles. And if 
environmental sustainability is is important to you, find an organisation that values that. And is that a case of obviously doing research, but if you're given a job interview, having the confidence to to ask those questions of of the, the company itself? Yeah, there's a certain amount of research that you can do by understanding a company by the information that they present online. But being able to ask questions in an interview is really important. And if you have the opportunity, being able to speak to people who work at the company, if there's anybody that you know or anyone that's connected, that can be a great way to um, understand an organisation. Do you know of any uh, sustainable technology that's emerging within your industry? Engineering is absolutely at the forefront of designing technology to focus on environmental sustainability. We see incredible stories all the time about engineers at the forefront of their profession. We just awarded the Young Engineer of the Year a couple of weeks ago and Nathan Benbow, who is the recipient this year, he's at the forefront of designing timber high-rise buildings. We didn't design in timber for high-rise, we've designed in steel. So it's new to be going down that pathway. And there are so many examples of environmental sustainability that is being designed. You just have to think about things like solar panels, designing energy-efficient Technology and and processes is is a really big part of the role of engineers. There's still a long way to go before the end of your career, but when you get there, what do you want to look back on and be most proud about? There's probably a couple of things that I want to be able to look back on. I'd like to be able to look back at, and I can look back on some of the projects that I've been involved in, and I can see the positive legacy that they've left on society. Now that I work in a more industry-focused role and I've moved out of that technical space, the legacy will start to look different, but the impact of engineers will continue to be the same. And my role now is to support a wider range of, of engineers to really have some impact. And to be involved in podcasts like this and to be encouraging the next generation of engineers is a really important part of what I currently do in my day job. So it'd be a great legacy for me to know that the profession is in good hands when I leave it. Alicia, it's been great to hear your story, so thank you very much for your time. It's been wonderful to join you, Luke. Thank you. Looking at Alicia Prince's career and her plans moving forward, it appears she'll leave a lasting legacy for engineers to follow. And with time, hard work and the right opportunities, students currently studying in this field can follow in her footsteps and use engineering as an avenue to help people all over the world. You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production.